When I need to send cash fast, the Western Union app is my go-to. And now you can send up to $500 for a $5 fee worldwide. All you have to do is download the app, choose the pay in cash option, then come in and pay at a participating Western Union agent location. Download the Western Union app today. Welcome to BassCast Radio, bringing you the best in local and national news in bass fishing, as well as interviews with some of the best anglers from all over the U.S. With your host, Brian Carter and Bruce Callis. You've been listening to BassCast Radio, the best in local and national bass fishing. For more episodes, go to Spreaker.com slash BassCastRadio or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BassCastRadio. All right, guys, we apologize for tonight's uh, issue, but uh, we're live now. Uh, thank everybody for listening to uh, BassCast Radio. What's going on, Bruce? Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, yeah, I definitely, definitely understand that. We apologize, everybody, for being a little bit behind. We had some computer technical difficulties, but we are up and live now. So, man, we apologize for that. This, the internet, it, the internet is crazy, and we apologize for that. And it's probably my fault for living in the woods, but the peace and quiet and tranquility of being in these woods makes for a makes for a great day so I'm glad to have that well yeah definitely true and being close to all the lakes so that's that's a that's a definite definite plus so um, me and Bruce are gonna talk later but um, we want to since we are behind we want to get the ball rolling on this um, we got Captain Dale Wilson on with us first tonight giving us an updated lake report on Smith Mountain Lake so please take a listen to that um, then we have Shane Burns. If you guys haven't already seen who he is, good God, he's tearing up North Carolina. And he won the BFL on Smith Mountain Lake yesterday with the 1910. So we want to congratulate him on that. And then we're going to have the co-angler winner, um, Elliot Pilson on. So very excited about having them two men on. Um, like I said, Elliot won the, won the uh, co-angler side of the BFL. And our special guest tonight, is Bradley Dorch. He is a FLW rookie that won the event last weekend. So very glad to have all three of our guests tonight. And without further ado, we are going to get this lake report rolling for you guys. And we'll be right back. Hey guys, we are back with Captain Dale Wilson. What's been going on, Dale? Hey, Brian. Uh, a lot of wind and a lot of cold weather. Uh, we've had some really different kind of weather this whole uh, winter. And now springtime's getting close, and we're having winter instead of spring. So uh, I'm sure it's cool. The water temperature's off some. Uh, I'm planning on fishing uh, tomorrow and Friday. Uh, I'll find out what's going on. Uh, the nights have been extremely cold. The winds are as bad as I've ever seen, so... A lot of these fish already getting ready to spawn, the largemouth especially, getting big bellies on them. And, oh, yeah. Uh, they're going to be moving up ready to spawn here 
any time now, as soon as we get a little warm spell and another moon change, I think there'll be some fish on the bed. Um, of the weekend, there was a lot of fish caught, more than I anticipated. Um, I fished. I didn't have a chance to practice. I had some striper guide trips. Uh, had a fair tournament. Didn't get a lot of bites. I had two bite my line, um, and that was a faulty tip. Uh, couldn't see it, but there was a bad place on it. It was stuck in my line, so uh, that was unfortunate, but that's what happens. And uh, the guys who won, I don't think they had but six bites either. They had some quality that's... bites. And, uh, good fish showed up, and now, uh, you know, Smith Mountain's been really producing some great stringers of fish the last few weeks. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, it took 23 and a half pounds this past weekend. Like you said, um, everything come off a jig, I was told, for the most part. And, um, yeah, it was tough on a lot of people, but you are right, though. I was really, really surprised myself about the number of bags that were weighed in. I would have I would have thought, like, less than half, but they just kept coming. Yeah, that's sort of what I was doing, yeah, about half of what or thereabouts. I think you might take 15 to 18. I never dreamed to take, you know, 23 and a half pounds, uh, but it's always that. You know, the fish have just been biting all winter. They've not really quit. Uh and to get on the pattern, you can catch them. We we were on the jig pattern, uh, but there was fish on crank baits and jerk baits too. So. Right. Uh, and a few on a drop shot, but uh, the ones that was on, on fish seemed to do well. They didn't didn't catch a lot of numbers. I did talk to one guy. I said he caught like eighteen. Oh uh, wow. Keepers and that was that was a lot. You know, I fished a lot of good places and didn't get any bites at all. But uh, it was it was different. Uh, that deal with the wind and the cold both, and those fish didn't seem to, you know, mind the the cold weather or the wind either one. I guess they've gotten used to it here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for those who are fishing uh, this coming weekend, probably the conditions. I know the wind's supposed to lay down just a little bit. It's not supposed to be as bad as today, but it's still supposed to be almost almost the same conditions as last weekend. So it should be a good weekend yeah, for them. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot warmer. Uh, yeah. I think it's supposed to be like 57 Saturday. Chance of showers uh, should be a great day to fish, especially after this cold, windy week. Uh, these fish should be ready to feed, and uh, I look for some decent uh, stringers again, probably in the 20 pound range to win this weekend. Um, it's hard to tell, but uh, you know. The days are getting so much longer, and you know these fish base what they do. I think more on the moon phases and the length of the days than they do with the weather. So right, we'll see what happens here in the next uh, next week or so. So what have the stripers been doing? Stripers have been pretty good. They've been mixed. They still the only place I can find the bait shallows way way up the main rivers or in the backs of the big creeks, and that's also where a lot of the a lot of the bass are not necessarily the big bass, but right. there are bass back with those stripers. They haven't made the big move. The bait fish haven't to the shoreline yet. And uh, most of the stripers I'm catching are still in the main shore part of the lake, and um, they still doing stand in that sort of like a winter pattern. And the water temperature last week had gotten up above 50, and I uh, guarantee you it's below 50 today. Oh, yeah. This morning. And by in the morning, it's probably going to be down another degree or so. Takes a lot of cold weather to cool this water off the lake so deep, and uh, the wind 
hurts it more than any the, in the cold weather. The wind churning the water takes the, what heat we gain right out of it. And uh, it's got, you know, our best part of our spring fishing is ahead of us, and we're right here on top of the best time of the year to fish Smith Mountain, uh, especially for largemouth and smallmouth. Yes, and, we are. Uh, the stripers, they'll, they'll start sort of go to a night pattern here in the next few few weeks. Uh, or real soon. There's still a few fish being caught at night now, but they're not as like they normally are this time of the year. But once that bait fish makes a move, uh, they'll make their move too and start catching them light at daylight, light at dark, and at night also when the uh, alewife starts to spawn. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to is the night bite. Fish yeah, about. that's a good time for people, for people who don't really do a lot of uh, right. rifle fishing and deep fishing to catch them. It's, uh, you, know, you have a lot better chance. You're in the playing field down a lot. Fish right on the bank. And, yep. Uh, you hear a lot of fish a lot more than you get the strikes, but uh, it's a lot of fun and keeps you, you know, thinking you're going to catch one every cast because it's going to yeah, you hear them jumping left and right, and you're like, "Man, I should be able to catch like a dozen." And you're happy, and you're happy to catch yep. two. So, yeah, that's right. But it's worth it, and uh, it's fun. And most people, like I said, they would fish a lot. It's a good time uh, that they can go out and have some activity and uh, enjoy the strikers. Have you? Uh, are you still throwing pretty much the same baits, or have you changed up, or what? What you throwing? Well, I have pretty much stopped fishing a, a, a Hopkins spoon. About uh, this time of the year, they seem to get off of that bait. And um, I'm fishing swim baits, uh, flukes with lead heads. I'm still using a, if uh, these fish are deeper than 20 foot, um, I use a half and a three-quarter ounce head. Okay. And I'm using some underspins. Uh, some hair jigs and with feathers in them, things like that. That's pretty much all spring, you know, I use the fluke of some kind right. for an underspin or a small swim bait. The small swim bait works good during the next few weeks, too. Uh, okay. I don't know why, but it seems like even with the, the largemouth, a lot of people caught a lot of the fish this weekend on a smaller type jig than the uh, than the normal you fish, you know, for right. Well, Dale, we appreciate you as always coming on and talking with us. And uh, tell everyone out there how you can be found. Okay, I can. Be, you can find me on my website at uh, com, or the best way to probably reach me is on my cell phone, or you can email me at captain.dale at hotmail, or you can reach me on my cell phone at Five four zero eight seven four four nine five zero. Well, Dale, we appreciate you taking the time and talking with us, and uh, we always enjoy it. And um, if anything we can do for you, just let us know. Okay, look forward to talking to you again. Have a good weekend. Thank you.
I'm Jonathan Arthur. I'm Mandy Arthur. And I'm Paul Smith of Stanton River Outdoors. It's that time of the year again, and Stanton River Outdoors is not just a gun shop. We have your fishing needs covered. We have rods, reels, line, live bait, and a large selection of lures, including gray goat spinnerbaits. We also have rod and reel repair and custom rod building. Late evening, early morning, and forgot something before the big tournament? We have an emergency on-call number of 434-444-7682 in case you forgot something. So come on down to Stanton River Outdoors, 508B, Pennsylvania Avenue, Alavista, Virginia, or call 434-608-2601. Stanton River Outdoors for all your outdoors. All right, guys, man, we'd like to take, take this time and thank all of our sponsors. Um, you just heard a commercial, Stanton River Outdoors, Alta Vista, Virginia. They're carrying our Gray Goat Lure product, so uh, we'd like to thank them. Um, Gray Goat Lures, check out their website, um, graygoatlures.com, plus go like their Facebook page. Um, Diablo Custom Baits. Um, Please go check out Diablo Custom Baits. We're giving away their jigs. Um, it's part of our prize pack that we have right now. Please go check them out. Plus, um, we just added two more Ledgehead Lures. We're glad to be a part of them. And um, Parkway Marina. So for those who go visit Parkway Marina each and every week to fish those big old tournaments, guys, we appreciate them for sponsoring the BassCast.com. Um, never want to leave out, as always, um, Missile Baits. Thank John Cruz and everyone there for sponsoring the BassCast and uh, the swim baits that they gave us to give away for our prize packs. And um, one more. I'm trying to remember here. We got them in head. Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, they sponsored the Big Fish for our fall tournament trail, and uh, they've been doing that for the last five years. So we... Definitely, definitely appreciate them coming on and being a part of that. So, guys, without further ado, uh, Shane Burns, welcome to the Bass Chaos Radio. Man, we're doing great, man. We appreciate you taking the time and coming on and talking to us, man. Yep. Oh yeah, definitely. We had um. Let me make sure everybody's hearing this here. Um, yeah. You guys having a? Yeah. Um. Something just happened in our SoundCloud. Um, if you guys haven't already heard, Shane has won over 100, has fished three tournaments, and has weighed over 100 pounds, 100 pounds of fish, so. What? What do you think's been the key to... What do you think has been the key to some of your wins?
Right. Right. I said, I hate to throw this smallmouth unless it's something 
substantial. Maybe I said I get lucky and I set the hook. And I said, and maybe it's this big small mouth right here. And it was about a four and a quarter, four and a half pound large mouth. And uh, so I, I bowed that and called that 308 small mouth. I think that was my eighth, my eighth keeper for the day. And uh, I, did, I had no idea that uh, I had 19 pounds, 10 ounces. My scale was giving me 1845 or 1855 right. on it. So uh, when I got in, I was uh, I, I knew my scale was off because in the previous two tournaments, it was uh, almost uh, three quarters of a half a pound off on all my weights. So, oh, it's, as long as it's consistent, it's weighing, weighing all the fish the same, I'm fine with it being a little off. But uh, it was a pleasant surprise coming with 1910 and beat the guy who had 1905. Yeah, that was extremely close. I mean, extremely close. Did, did we... About five ounces. So. Yeah. Did the fish that you found... I know me, when I talked to you earlier in the week, you were out practicing. Uh, did, did you go back to the same spot that you were practicing at? Yeah, yeah, say that again. The place that you were practicing, did you go back to those locations? Oh, yeah, I hear you. Being boat 98 that, that morning in takeoff, I told my, I told my co-angler, I said, listen, we don't even worry about dock fish until the sun gets out. I said, I'm going to run over here and try to pick up a couple smallmouth. I said, give you a chance to, we're going to be, instead of burning, running docks, we're just going to be fishing main lake points. I said, I'm going to throw a, a jerk bait, see if I can rouse them. I, I actually threw jerk bait and date and a, and a spinner bait. Like I said, I throw a lot of Dave's tackle stuff. So right. Tiger Shad spinner bait. And uh, fired that out there because I just, I mean, honestly, in practice, they were smallmouth. I mean, I had a big old smallmouth come up to the boat, and I caught a smallmouth. And uh, so, and it, that's a smallmouth. Crabs Creek's loaded with smallmouth. It's, and I felt like that was a, what I was looking at on the grass. Uh, but it turns out, you know, they were all largemouth. Most of them were. Right. I mean, <laughs> well, that's awesome. Even at that, even at uh, we waited at three thirty. I think at one one thirty, I said, "Listen, I said it's gonna take us about fifteen minutes to run up there, fifteen minutes back. I said, we'll lose a half hour. I have an hour to fish." I said, "That out of my mind." I thought, "Is it? How many dogs can I cover in an hour? And what are my odds of getting?" You know, a six or seven pounder off the docks. I, biggest fish I caught on the docks in practice was a, a four plus. And, uh, I mean, there were, I caught a couple of nice threes. And, again, the only reason I caught those fish were they were so aggressive on the jig bite up under the docks. But they set the hook on themselves. Unfortunately, I just, I typically able to shake them off. I don't put a, I don't bend my hook down because you have to tra change the trailer so often. Right. So, it's hard to get a trailer on a jig that you bent the hook down. Uh, so I generally just go, go by shaking them off, and I had success with that. But when they're super aggressive like that, they won't let go and run away from you. You, you almost always hook them. So, but that's how my uh, day started. I just 
That's one of the reasons why we've introduced the tiger bass to Smith Mountain Lake because we've had the problems with the fish not getting as big and you know the, losing some of the six and five and seven pound fish that we've had in the past you know we just introduced the tiger bass in the last two years so the boys said they are starting to catch them so hopefully we will uh, see some uh, big numbers increase on Smith Mountain Lake here soon so I know a lot of guys up here have been, uh, you know, definitely the tournament was won on jigs. Uh, mostly everybody that finished in the top five was throwing a jig. Um, today's tournament was won on a jig. Um, I think they had over 20-some pounds today, uh, Ross and Ross. So, yep. So the jig is pretty daggone hot right now on Smith Mount Lake. Yes. I felt terrible for him because he really was, I, I, he was 
was an extremely courteous co-handler. That's awesome. He never crowded me on anybody. He never crowded me on any cast. I didn't feel like I was trying to guard a spot from him in the back. He let me fish, and um, I, you know, to be truthful, he was one fish to win in the tournament because the size fish that I, all the fish I caught were gold. Any of the three that I caught with three fish. Right. Well, man, we um, appreciate you coming on with us tonight, talking to us about your uh, BFL win, and uh, you know, giving a little idea and in-depth look at what you did to uh, win yesterday's extremely close tournament. So, go ahead. again we appreciate you coming on with us and talking to us and uh giving us a look at your uh, bfl win and guys if you guys haven't already seen the pictures uh, i mean on facebook he's tearing it up in carolina tore it up in virginia um hopefully his role continues and um you get Do you have any questions for? Yes, we're definitely glad to have you on. We apologize, uh, things went over a little late tonight, but um, definitely, definitely glad to have you on. So thank you. Yes, sir. Have a wonderful night.
right, guys. We are back. We have Mr. Elliot Pilsen. He was the co-angler winner of yesterday's BFL. What's going on, Elliot? He fished Conrad today, and um, what a, what a change of days, to be honest, between weights. Yeah, it was. It got really tough on us today. The uh, it seemed like the deep bite was still there from yesterday, and the shallow fish were definitely gone. Oh. It was a lot of pressure on that lake uh, yesterday with the hundred and some boats going from uh, hundred. What was it a hundred and two? Uh, yeah, a hundred and two in the BFL, and then there was another club tournament going on at a pinhook that had uh, forty plus boats in it as well. Oh wow! So uh, that that lake got beat up pretty good yesterday. Yeah. It, it sees a lot of pressure in the spring, but that's, that's normal for Smith Mountain Lake. Guys, um, like I said before, he was the uh, winner of the, on the co-angler side, and this is his first ever BFL win. And um, we thought we'd bring him on tonight, talk to him a few minutes about his win, and uh, tell us what you did, man. Uh, I've been on a jerkbait bite, you know, all winter long. So I knew my game plan going in was I was going to throw a jerk bait, and they had started finally eating a jig for me. So I, was, I went in throwing a jerk bait and jig. I mean, I was I was going for it. It took 20 pounds to win the co-angler side last year. So I was I didn't expect it to be this tough this weekend, but thankfully it was tough, and I. I Got lucky and caught just a little bit more than everybody else. Yeah, um, the weights were down huh. pretty low. I mean, as you guys can tell, nineteen, you know, nineteen ten, one, you know, angler side, nine eleven co angler side. So there's definitely a change between last week's angler's choice and uh, this weekend's BFL. But um, this young man pulled it out and. Um, Won that pretty little trophy. Oh yeah, I was I was really excited to get that trophy after after coming really close in a BFL down at Bugs Island, finished second, and it was about a pound difference down there. And I came real close then. From then, I knew I wanted that trophy. That's awesome. Oh, definitely. So, tell us a bit about, about your day, man. What time did you start catching them fish? Now, you only caught four fish. Um, can you tell us who you were with? I was with uh, Craig Blankenship. Okay. He he lives on Smith Mountain Lake. He fishes all the local tournaments around there. So, I knew I had somebody that knew knew where the fish were and was going to be able to put me on put me on fish throughout the day. We uh, started catching fish. He caught three real quick first thing in the morning within about the first hour. And around 8.15, 8.30, I caught my first fish within about 10 minutes in the same little creek arm. I caught my second fish. 
That was my biggest fish of the day. It was about a three, three and a quarter. So I was feeling pretty good then. We go and make another move at our next spot, and I catch one off the next spot. And, you know, it was around that time, it was 9.30, 9.45, when I finally caught my third fish. Right. I was feeling pretty good about getting a limit that day, and then everything got really tough really quick. And, you know, we struggled for a good period. I mean, it was about an hour, hour and a half wall right there. That neither one of us even got bit. And uh, pulled up on a bluff wall, and I was throwing my jig down the bluff wall. And there was a tree sunken down, and I threw up next to that tree. I hopped it about once, and he got it, got it in the boat. And it was about a two and a quarter, two and a half pound fish, and that ended up being the fish that sealed the deal. That's awesome. Awesome. Definitely good. Bruce, do you have any questions? So what's the next stop for you? The next stop is the, well, have the team tournament at Bugs Island with Angler's Choice the first weekend in April. Yep. And then April, it's the second Shenandoah tournament. It's April 8th or 9th, I think, down at Bugs Island again. So my next two stops will be down at Kerr Lake. Awesome. All right, I got a question for you. Mr. Elliot, um, we always get questions on Bass Cast Radio about being a co-angler, and you are our first co-angler winner that we have spoken to. If you could give someone a tip about being a co-angler, what would you say? My best tip would be is you, you have to stay focused all day long, because the guy in the front of the boat is always going to get to the fish first, and always going to get the first bite but you have to stay focused and aware that when he gets a bite you have to know you're around fish and you just have to fish that much harder to get the fish that have already seen bait to bite uh it's a great learning experience to be a co-angler uh anybody looking to get into bass fishing definitely needs to be a co-angler in vfls It'll teach you so much. Right. Um, and every every boater I've ever had has been great. Always gotten along. I mean, great people. I mean, you'll meet a lot of great people in the bass fishing world. Awesome. A little bit of wisdom there, man. And what do you think is it? Go ahead, Bruce. I said, what do you feel is the right uh, number of rods to carry each time. I prefer to carry four or five rods. Uh, anything more than five is a nuisance on your boater as far as, you know, you're being clustered up. Right. Uh, four or five is about right. They fit in that little side spot for your co-angler. Uh, I keep one tackle bag on me, and I keep my tackle very minimal. Just because, you know, if they don't bite green pumpkins, then I'm 
I'm out of luck there. I keep my colors very simple, which keeps my baits simple. I can have more baits and, you know, very basic colors. Uh, that way, you know, I'm not constantly thinking, do I need to be throwing red or do I need to be throwing blue? I mean, you know, I stick with the same things and get my presentations down right to get as many bites as I can. Awesome. Cool. Well, and usually, how much does your angler help you out any? You uh, know, really, the way I, I go about it is, you know, I'll pay attention to my angler, the the pro on the boat, the, you know, the boater. I'll pay attention to what he's throwing. You know, a lot of the times I've went fishing, we're always starting out with something very similar as you know if he's throwing a blade i won't necessarily throw a blade i'll throw like a crankbait behind him a lot of the same you know technique but a little bit different bait just to give the fish something different and that that's worked out a lot for me uh you know if the guy on the front of the boat's catching him on a jerk bait a fluke works real well behind them. That's more of a subtle approach, but it's a soft jerk bait, so it's more of a finesse technique. Or, you know, I might switch up the color just a little bit off what he's doing. As far as him helping me and, you know, telling me what to do, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't happen much because, I mean, they're there to win, win a tournament as well, so they're not going to try to give away all their secrets. But as far as a you know, co-angling goes, you definitely want to pay attention to that and try to, you know, try to mimic what they're doing, but do it in a different way to hopefully get that extra bite. Cool. All right. That's good advice. Yes, it is. Very good advice. Another thing I've learned with it is, you know, pay attention to where they're casting. And if you're going down a bank line and they're casting, you know, pay attention to the spots they're hitting. And you definitely want to try to hit the spots that they might have missed or in between their cast. Just trying to hit the pieces of cover that, you know, they haven't already casted to is another big thing. That'll pick you up a few extra bites throughout the day. Yeah. All right, cool. Every little bit of information helps. It's all about learning. I mean, cause, sure. Especially if it's the first time, you want to be able to at least do something, not just sit back there and look at him and go, oh, what am I doing wrong? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, BassCast.com, uh, they, they can give you a lot of videos to you know, help you learn as techniques and all that go, seasonal patterns, you know, I think they have the Wired to Fish videos on there as well, which is extremely helpful for anybody that's looking to go into a co-angler uh, tournament. It's You definitely need to get on there and learn as much as you can about the techniques and what to do in different situations. Cool. Definitely, definitely true. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen our videos section that we have done this year, um, we've been adding a lot more videos. Um, the new theme to the BassCast allows us to do that. 
So, you know, you know, Elliot's talking about now, but if you guys have a tip or a video that you would like to have submitted, send it to us, man. Uh, Brian at the Basscast.com. And uh, just email it to us, and uh, we'll get it up on YouTube and share it with other people. And that's what it's all about. And he's right. I've been sharing a lot of different videos from a lot of different people. And YouTube is the place to go learn. You're going to learn so much off YouTube. It's crazy. YouTube is a, is a great source. Yes, it is. Uh, Bass University TV. Now, do you have to be yeah, a member? The subscription. Yeah, you do have to be a member of that. Do have to be a member of it, but it, it's worth the subscription to be on Bass University TV. There you go. There you go. A little plug, guys. So, well, Elliot, man, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us tonight. Um, congratulations on your win, and uh, it's good seeing you as always. And uh, thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Alright guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. I'm Jonathan Arthur. I'm Mandy Arthur. And I'm Paul Smith of Stanton River Outdoors. It's that time of the year again, and Stanton River Outdoors is not just a gun shop. We have your fishing needs covered. We have rods, reels, line, live bait, and a large selection of lures, including gray goat spinnerbaits. We also have rod and reel repair and custom rod building. Late evening, early morning, and forgot something before the big tournament? We have an emergency on-call number of 434-444-7682 in case you forgot something. So come on down to Stanton River Outdoors, 508B, Pennsylvania Avenue, Alavosta, Virginia, or call 434-608-2601. Stanton River Outdoors for all your outdoors.
guitar player sure could play. She always liked to sing along. All right, guys. Brian here at the Basscast Radio. Hope everyone is doing well. We are back. Um, we apologize for some of the little technical difficulty we had earlier, but um, we are back on with our special guest tonight, Mr. Bradley Dorch. What's going on, Bradley? Man, it's going. How you guys doing? Man, we are doing yeah, great. Good, my... We are yeah, doing. Yeah, I heard you say earlier. Yeah. You're ready for some warmer weather. It was uh, it's pretty nice down here in Lower Alabama today. It's uh, around uh, actually close to 80 today, mid mid to high 70. It has been. What do you think, Bruce? Um, like last week today. Yeah, last week we had sleet. We had freezing rain. <sighs> you know, I had snow this morning. Yeah, Bruce has snow. <laughs> we 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 I'm take out. we take it for granted that you know being here in Virginia, we do have these mountains called the Blue Ridge Mountains, and you know a lot of mountains around us, and that helps protect us from a lot of weather. But man, when we get a when we get weather, we get it, and it's usually pretty daggone good. So, yeah, but yeah, the weather has been crazy. Like you said, we were talking about it earlier and, uh, yeah, the weights, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit before the show and, uh, the weights around here have been a little off, uh, tournaments have been a little down number wise, um, for spring, which starts tomorrow, everyone, if you haven't already heard that. So it's been kind of crazy around here. Yeah, I hadn't had a chance to fish back from the hares, James. So uh, actually, just been cleaning up, unpacking, and uh, getting ready to go to the uh, classic next week. Sweet. What what booth are you going to be at the classic? It'll be booth uh, two hundred one. I'll be actually uh, Enigma Fishing and Blazer Boats kind of did a joint booth together, which uh, which just couldn't have worked out better for me. So I can. Uh, bounce between those two and then uh probably go to bob's machine shop uh their booth over there and uh do a little work and then uh, bounce around hopefully uh hopefully pick uh pick up something after after the weekend you know momentum is in my direction so uh i think it'd be a good time to go to the classic anyways period oh definitely yep I going down to texas on. going to texas Uh, I believe they'll catch them pretty good. It ought to be awesome. I mean, what weather I saw is, uh, I got a feeling they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna catch them really well. Cool. Well, you are a rookie on the FLW tour. 
And uh, we wanted you to uh, take a little bit of time and tell everyone up there a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in bass fishing and how you got to this point. All right. Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, I've been fishing as long as I can remember, uh, whether it be saltwater or inshore or, uh, or, or just crappie fishing, brim fishing, cat fishing. Uh, my grandfather fished a ton. My dad fished a lot. Just uh, seems like it, as long as I can remember, <clears throat> you know, we were fishing. I lived not too far from or grew up not too far from the coast. So, you know, we you can drive, you know, a little bit north and, and bass fish, crappie fish, brim fish, or you can turn around and drive 30, 45 minutes and redfish, you know, flounder, speckled trout, or uh, and actually we, we had a gulf boat growing up for a while, so red snapper, amberjack, trigger fish, it didn't uh, it didn't really matter to us if it uh, if we could catch it, we we definitely went and tried, and then. Uh, I don't know, but my dad started fishing some little pot tournaments probably when I was around, you know, 11, 12, and then we eventually ended up joining a uh, two-man club here in Atmore, Alabama, uh, Dixie Bandits Bass Club, you know, That's just a awesome. bunch of good guys got together once a month and uh, went fishing, and, you know, I, I really, you know, I, was, I definitely got into it, and then when I started college, I would uh, much rather be... Uh, on the lake fishing than I had sitting in class. So I did the two-year associate's degree. I got out and I started working construction and actually bought my first bass boat and uh, and started fishing some BFLs and, um, you know, still some club stuff and some two-man stuff down here on the uh, Tensaw and Alabama River. And just, just kind of progressed from there. I, by chance, I happened to run into a guy from Pensacola that fished some two-man stuff. And uh, and he got to telling me about he was fishing the Bassmaster Opens. And uh, he actually fished the top 150s for a little while. And uh, that, that's back, I guess they were doing boater on boater then. Right. And around 2002, 2003, uh, they went to, to co-anglers. So... I happened to run into him, didn't know him very well, and he said, "Look, man, I'd love for you to come come travel with me and fish with me. You can fish out the back of the boat." So uh, that's actually how you know I started figuring out, okay, this is how you qualify, and this is you know, it was it was definitely uh, definitely a, a learning experience. So I fished the opens and fished the coasters, and and uh, for ooh, I don't probably around 2003 till probably 2009 and then actually i went shoot i don't know a couple years was i didn't even have a boat you know when i was doing the co-angling stuff and uh ended up moving down to uh to orlando and then uh me and a buddy of mine actually uh, you know he he didn't know a lot about fishing he had actually worked for uh true tungsten and fish harder in pennsylvania right and uh but but you know, kind of helping run the company, but he didn't fish a lot. And it's, it's weird how everything works out, you know, over time because he moved to, to Orlando and I had just moved to Orlando and we ended up kind of becoming friends and we fished in the ponds and the community and, you know, beat the bank basically. And, uh, I think one night me and him was sitting in the garage having a beer and he's like, man, we need a boat. And I'm like, yeah, we do. And, uh, so, we drummed up a paint job to paint a couple of condos on the inside and uh, we painted the condos and uh, 
bought a $2,500. I, I think it was $2,500 or $2,200. It was a 1989 16-foot Fisher with a 60-horse Mercury. And uh, that was pretty much the, the, the kind of the, the rebirth of it as far as going boater. You know, I'd fished non-boater for so long that, right. um, you know, then we started fishing some two-man stuff at Toho. And I remember one of the first BFLs I wanted to fish, and uh, I showed up in that, that boat. Um, and I, I called my wife on Friday, and being from Alabama, you know, South Alabama, we don't catch a lot of big bag of fish down here. And uh, I told her, I was like, man, I'm catching them. And, and she's like, what do you think you can catch? And I was like, I, I, I can catch 15 pounds easy. I was like, I'm, I think I'll do really well, you know. And I did. I caught 15 pounds, and I think it ended up 83rd or or you know it, it right. was it was in the 70s or 80s and i basically got smashed and uh i was thinking i was gonna do good so after that i figured hey, you're you're not in south alabama anymore you're in florida so uh the 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 weight difference between the two was crazy but um just kept fishing the bfls out of that old piece of craft aluminum boat and uh i was telling the story the other day uh we we ended up we run the wednesday night tournaments down there for a little while and uh and my buddy couldn't make it, so my wife said, "Hey, I, you know, I want to go with you, just kind of ride around." I said, "You know, no problem." And uh, I'd actually just come back from a regional tournament at Lake Seminole, and uh, I went way up the Flint River and and was trying to catch shoal bass, and I kind of got too close to one of them shoals and couldn't. The troll motor wasn't strong enough to get away, and it drugged me over, you know, drugged the boat over the shoal, and ended up it split the bottom of the boat. So it was oh, leaking wow. pretty good. Yeah, needless to say, I fished the whole regional out of it, and uh, every we we went to Lowe's, and I bought probably a hundred dollars worth of duct tape, and uh, every morning before blast off, I'd crawl up under it and uh, duct tape it up real good, and uh, I don't even think the duct tape really wasn't even helping. It it made me feel better, but it wasn't doing much good. So wow, whenever. Whenever she went to fish with me on the Wednesday night in that aluminum boat, it, it was filling up full of water. And I, I didn't tell her this, but, you know, we're running and, you know, where your water drains in the floor. Yep. There's that, that little drain hole. Well, every time you would hit a wave, it would blow water out of that drain hole like a like a well or a, a porpoise. And she's like, you know, why in the hell am I getting so wet? So <laughs> I said, I didn't want to tell you this because I knew you wouldn't go, but I was like, the whole the boat's got a crack all the way down the bottom, and it's leaking water. And uh, needless to say, I ended up getting another boat about two weeks later. So, and then, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it, it was a good story, I promise you, if you've seen the look on her face. And uh, I ended up buying like an O2 model Ranger and then started just kind of, you know, fishing. Uh, I, I wanted to fish the... Uh, the coasters and I wanted to fish the opens and you know, I just say I would, I work construction. So I'd save my money. And then, you know, I fished the coasters one year and cast a check two out of the three. I think I ended up 23rd and 23rd. Right. You know, and I said, well, you know, at least I, I can compete, you know, with these guys some. And, uh, and then last year, actually I fished the coasters and the opens and, um, was leading Santee going into the final day and Brian Thrift come in there and, put a good whacking on us and uh i 
went and fished the open at Smith and, and had a really good practice. And they ended up, they canceled the first day. And, uh, I mean, Jesse Wiggins won it, you know, mm-hmm. outright, but I would like to have seen what would have happened if they'd have let us, you know, fish the first day. And I ended up a tie, tie for third at there. And then we turned around and went to Wheeler like a couple of weeks later. And I ended up winning Wheeler. So I just took those winnings, put them in savings. And then when it got time for the uh, tour deposits to come around, I paid them. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. Well, that's awesome. Awesome. Um, what did you learn from uh, being a co-angler? You know that's 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 one oh, of our man, that's you. one of our biggest questions on you know when we interview or when we talk to people, you know, co-angler, what they learn. I mean, you know, what should I do? It's uh, you know, I mean, number one, probably the hardest thing is, is of, of being a boater is is learning to run around or learning kind of how to navigate if you've never been out of town to fish. Right. You know. Um, a lot of lakes, you go to like Santee Cooper, you know, I couldn't imagine showing up as a boater and had never traveled too far out of my area and having to navigate Santee Cooper. So, you know, learning what these guys look for, you know, and, and I know it may sound simple as far as, you know, hey, you know, learning how to run the, the channel markers at Santee because they they have just telephone poles, you know. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and here at the house, we never, I never had to deal with driving, you know, in a lot of rough water um, right so being a co-angler you know going to okeechobee and it's blowing 15 to 20 and a guy crosses the lake that you know watching him how he drove and watching you know some of the decisions he made and uh you know and then and just figuring out you know a lot of guys do different techniques from all over the country well you fish as a co-angler you know hell me growing up in alabama i never even really knew that a fish lived deeper than 10 foot of water <laughs> just uh <laughs> River, you know, we, you know, Alabama River, Tom, Baby River, we don't fish real deep, you know. You can throw a bandit crankbait or a spinnerbait or a buzzbait or a jig, and, and that's pretty much the staple. But, you know, once you go off to like a Smith or a Lake Martin or a, a you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of you, you, the lakes you guys have, I mean, I, you know, learned, uh, I traveled with a guy named Tom Hamlin out of Georgia or Tom Hamlin Jr. out of Georgia and, Man, I mean, he would take out during practice, and, you know, we were catching them 40 foot deep on a spoon or, you know, a drop shot. I, I'd never, you know, been with anybody that, hell, I thought you used a spoon for, for red fishing or something. I didn't right. know that, you know, you there was two different types of spoons. And, um, you know, just, just stuff like that. I fished with, uh, I actually got paired with Matt Heron one time down in Okeechobee. And, That's you know, cool. I'd heard of heard of punching but i'd never really seen it so you know going down there and actually watching this guy take a you know ounce and a half two ounce weight and 60 pound braid and you know i I wasn't prepared matter of fact i think he gave me the setup i ended up breaking like three rods that day and uh i actually had to call my mom which she lived in orlando then call my mom get her to drive to chubby and bring me some rods and because uh, I didn't have anything else to fish with, and uh, I remember uh, I, this is a good story. I remember Matt telling me he said, "Look, I got a." He, he was with Kissler then, which I think he still is. He was with Kissler, and he said, "Look, I got a helium light, extra heavy in my box." He said, "I'll uh, I'll sell you," and I said, "Okay, well, you know, I'm, 
I think you said 75 bucks. I said, you lost your mind. I said, I ain't, that's crazy expensive for a rod. And, uh, matter of fact, <laughs> I didn't even have the money to give him. And he said, he said, take the rod. If you cash a check at when our next tournament was at you follow, he said, if you see me at you follow, you can pay me then. And I said, fair enough. And I actually ended up getting a check. So I did pay him back, but, uh, you know, it's just not to get off subject, but it's just, just, certain things you know, like I said different techniques how to drive how to navigate you know with just fishing three tournaments a year as a co-angler is basically to me it's comparable to fishing almost two years by yourself it's you know knowledge. So it, it, it's expensive but it, it cuts your learning curve yeah there's no way you would you could learn you know what I learned fishing six or seven years out of the back of the boat I wouldn't be nowhere near where I am today that's awesome yeah, we, you know, definitely, you know, we just had um, Mr. Pilson on. Um, he won yesterday's uh, BFL co-angler. It's the first time he's ever won. And uh, like I said, you know, just getting the knowledge, the experience, and what, you know, what other people do is, I mean, it's crazy, but I, it's not that expensive. Yeah. What is it? It's 125, 150 for a BFL co-angler somewhere in that mark right there. And like you said, just for the knowledge and the experience and the time on the water. Right. It's uh, yeah. There's no way you can take 125. And and like I said, even if you, you know, a lot of times I had, I didn't have good draws or I had bad draws. And like I said, I fished the opens and the the coasts for years out of the back of the boat and never won a tournament. Period. I come close to winning a bunch of times, and I cashed a bunch of checks. But just, just you know, spending those six, seven years in the back of the boat, you know, I learned how to dead stick a Cinco. You know, I learned how to drop shot. I learned how to do a bunch of different stuff. And I, that's the thing about now, I don't consider myself great at any of it, but I can, I'm comfortable with, with any of it. How did so uh, that's, that, that's the biggest thing. How did you deal with uh, the bad draw, as you were saying? Is there a way to handle that? or? Well, you know, I mean, you get in the back of the boat and mentally, I mean, you can tell pretty quick, okay, hey, this guy can fish or, hey, this guy can't fish. But in, in the way I always looked at it is, is you're going you're gonna to go buy a fish today. You're in the back of the boat. You're going to have at least one opportunity to catch a fish today, you know, and I know it's a little different than the BFLs because they're one day tournaments, but you know, at the end of the season, that one fish may make the difference between making the regional and not making the regional or, you know, in a multi-day tournament, there's plenty of, plenty of times where I would scrape up one fish the first day and then, you know, you know, clobber on the second day. And that one fish would be the difference of getting paid really well Right. Or not getting paid at all. So, you know, just being in the back of the boat, having the, the mindset of, look, I got, you know, I, I got to catch one fish before I do anything else. And I know that, yes, this probably ain't the best looking area. And, you know, but there is a fish that lives around here somewhere. And, you know, how can I figure out how to catch that fish? And, you know, you just kind of kind of compile one fish, and then all of a sudden it turns into two fish, and then it turns into three. Next thing you know, it's time to weigh in, and you you have a decent limit. Or, you know, you may not have a limit, but you have four fish. Or, yeah. So 
that that's probably the biggest thing is just staying positive mentally and then being pre- prepared to do, you know, pretty much anything. Cool. That's some good wisdom. Uh, my boy uh, Matt helped me out here. It's $115 for BFL and it's $50 for the membership. So $165 for your first BFL. So, like you said, that's a good deal. Yeah, it's not bad at all. You know, give your, um, make sure you take care of your boater as always. Give him a little extra money for gas because uh, these things don't ride on nothing. So, but yeah, for the. Yeah, and and the word, the word spreads, you know. I've had some that, you know, just even when I was co-angler hanging around with other anglers, they'd be like, yo, you know, Joe, he never pays crap, you know, so. Hey, some offer them something, you know. It uh, it definitely helps helps out both people. And I here's another trick that I did learn. Um, it's better just to go ahead and take forty bucks, roll it up, and when you sit down in the boat that morning before blast ball, reach over there and hand him the forty. That's awesome. It's gonna it's gonna make your day a lot better. Trust me. Cause, oh yeah. You know, a lot of times, if he really look I you know I'm not I can't do any good or if he realizes it gets to the last hour and he don't have anything he may give you free will and I've had it happen at times and times it hadn't happened but it's you know if I've had four and he has two and there's an hour left and the guy says look you know hey I'm pretty much out of it we'll run up here I think you can probably catch one and it's it's paid off at times that's awesome oh definitely Definitely, uh, Bruce. You're gonna fish a BFL this year, correct? Uh, that's my intention, Chef. So Bruce is. Uh, yeah, so hopefully, things ever works out again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I got stuck last year. <laughs> Fishing as a co-angler or a boat? Co-angler. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. you said, it's you. You get some good ones, you get some bad ones, but uh, uh, like I always told my wife, hey, over time, you know, the cream will rise to the top. So There you go. You're going to have some bad ones. You'll end up having more good ones than you will bad ones, you know. Oh, definitely. I just got a bad draw last year. The co-angler that won it had 28 pounds. Wow. Wow. So I mean, yeah, and that's a too is is fishing you know that's one reason you know i kind of ended up leaning towards the opens or leaning towards the coast is is just because it's a multi-day right um to win a one tournament i don't care if you're a boater or a non-boater it takes a perfect day you know it does no mistake it takes a perfect day and you know it's Unfortunately for me, I don't always have perfect days, but, you know, a, a, a two-day tournament or a three-day tournament actually give you some time to, to kind of make up for a mistake you made or, or make adjustments. Yeah. I felt sorry for his, for his boater that day, though. His boater only had one fish. <sighs> yeah. I've been on both ends of that deal, you know, down the Harris chain, uh, my co-angler, I mean, a dang good guy, did everything textbook. I mean, heck, he was, uh, he had 17, almost 18 pounds. I had 15 the first day. Hmm. And that was at the Harris chain. And I was pretty well dialed in, but, you know, you can't, you can't catch everything, you know. So, 
And then, like I said, it was nothing he did wrong or nothing I did wrong. It's just we were around fish, and, uh, you know, he fished fished very hard. And, uh, like I said, at the end of the day, I broke a big one off, and he caught his big one, and that was the that was the difference between me having 15 and him having almost 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it, it is. It's a learning experience. I mean, I fished the James River. I'm not great in it, but I sure did learn a lot from him. Um, of course, I've learned a lot from some others that I've been out with here recently, and one thing I did learn is, don't give it some give spots away. I mean, yeah. That's the big thing that people don't think about is, you know, just because he took you to a spot and showed it to you, doesn't mean you need to fish it all the time. Right. Right. And and I still have guys that practice with me out of the back of the boat, and that's what uh, you know, I try to tell them, look, don't worry about exactly where I'm fishing. You need to be worried about okay. How deep was it when we got bit? You know, was it four foot? Was it six foot? You know, that way, like like when I was, just say, fishing the pads, a lot of times, you know, if you get dialed in as a co-angler, just even practicing with other guys, that guy may go by something, you know, they may not be on, they may be on chunk rock or they may be on pea gravel or, you know, they may be doing a little something that he don't necessarily know about. And the only thing you need to do, or the only thing he needs to do is get you close enough or get you around it. And then that's when you actually can make your boater kind of pay dearly. But, uh, of course, that comes from pre-practice. Yep. So, oh, yeah. You know, I, a lot a lot of the co-anglers don't show up till the night of the meeting. And, and that's fine if that's all you can do. But, like, the opens, I, I went. And I, I practiced out the back of the boat with a couple of different guys. So when the tournament started, I knew, okay, yeah, they're on pad stems or, yeah, they're on chunk rock or, yeah, we've been getting bit. And if you're, you know, if you can ever get your boater to kind of get you around what you need to be around. Um, matter of fact, I, I got a perfect, perfect story. It was uh, probably you follow 2000 and uh, it's probably around 2005, 2006. I'd practiced with uh, Tom Hamlin in practice, and he was catching a lot of his fish on ledges. Well, there was a small shad pond going on, but, you know, he'd caught them good on ledges, and I was in the back of the boat there in practice. The first uh, morning of the tournament, my guy runs up a creek, and he's swimming a jig in the grass. Well, I knew that we had caught fish, you know, on ledges all during the week, so I started taking a crankbait and just kind of throwing out the back of the boat, trying to find where the, the creek ledge was, the, 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 you know, the channel was. Right. And uh, I think I ended, ended up with 18 pounds, and I think he ended up with like 8 pounds. And, uh, I, you know, I'd caught three big ones before he ever realized what was really going on. And, of course, I wasn't going to say nothing at that point in time until I finished my limit. But, uh, you know, that's just one instance of, of practicing as a co-hanger out the back of the boat and learning, you know, okay, hey, the better fish are actually set up on ledges and, and take it and trying to catch them out on ledges instead of – I probably could have swam a jig just like he did and caught, you know, some smaller ones. But the better fish were on the ledges. So that's just, just one instance I can think of right offhand. Definitely. So make yourself available and learn. That's it. That's it. Well, Bradley, tell us about your um, FLW win, my friend. 
How does thing all go down? Yeah, how'd how'd your how'd you, let's start with your practice first? How'd your practice go? My practice was horrible. Okay. Uh, it it really was. It was. Uh, I, I tried. Uh, you know, Lake Eustis. I tried Dora. I tried Beauclair. I tried the Popka Canal. Uh, I'm the type of guy I like to try to at least get an idea of how everything laid out or is laying out and then right. and then kind of make my decision based on the water color and the you know water temp and and what covers available you know versus this lake that lake you know that way you can try to fish you know your strengths and uh you know and I actually I did too much riding around and I'd fished the Harris chain before in some yeah. in BFL and I'd fish some at, in, the, in the Ram you know open series and uh uh, Lake, uh, dang, my mind went blank. wasn't Beauclair. It was, uh, anyways, it was another lake over there, and I, I knew it better than I knew any other lake. So I waited till, uh, I waited till the last afternoon, or I waited till the last day of practice where I went over there and checked it because I figured it would be the, you know, if I went over there and found what I thought I'd find, it would be the freshest. And, uh, so I went over there and I caught, I don't know, probably 14, 15 pounds in practice bouncing around. And, it, you know, I thought, you know, 14, 15 a day, I'd at least get a check and uh, kind of move on. So I, I left there and I locked back in to, uh, went back to Harris and I practiced, you know, right up until dark. And I, I caught a fish out on the point of some pads on a, on a trap around probably six, seven pounds right before dark. And, um, you know, we had a day off, so then we went to the meeting, right. and I said, "Look, if I get a, if I get a bad boat draw, you know, I'm not going to fight to get in. It's it's Griffin." I said, "I'm not going to fight to get in Griffin in the lock because the lock's small." And uh, so, I, sure enough, we got the the numbers text to us. I was boat like 121, so I said, "Well, I'll go down and spend an hour trying to expand on that last bite I had." And I went down there, and um, I actually caught a decent fish on a trap right off the bat, and then. Ended up running down, and I got on a little stretch of pads, and I ended up catching two fours within 20 minutes in pads. And um, you know, so then I'm thinking, well, okay, this is uh, this this may be worth staying here for. And I kind of beat around, and I said, you know what? I said I'm not going to do it. I'm going to Griffin. So I cranked up, and I started running towards Griffin. And when I come out of Little Lake Harris. I turned and, you know, I could see another patch of pads right there. And I said, well, I told my co-hanger, I said, you know, my brain's telling me to go to Griffin. I said, my gut's telling me to stop and fish his pads. And he said, well, let's stop and give it 20, 30 minutes and see what happens. And uh, we pull in there and I broke one off between probably six or seven and actually had it up to the side of the boat and just, you know, didn't give it any drag. It made a run. It broke. And then my co-hanger ended up catching one almost seven. Oh, wow. So as soon as that happened, I knew. You know, hey dummy, do not leave and go to Griffin. I mean, you're you're doing the right thing. Just just stay put and try to keep you know finding some more areas to hold you up through you know the next three days. And um, so I think ended the day around close to 16 pounds. Yep. Like I said, I broke a good one off. The next day I go down there and and I make a loop through the pads and uh, and we started to get quite a bit of wind, which we didn't have the first day. So we went down there, and, and I picked up a trap and went out in front of that stretch of pads right there. And it was 1.30, and it was 1.30, I had three fish, and I told my, my, my co-hanger, I said, look, I said, you know, if I sit here and keep flipping pads, I don't catch anything, I'm going to end up kicking myself in the butt because I'm going to miss a check. So 
So I said, I'm going to pick up a trap. It's windy. And I pulled out there and ended up catching two two-pounders and said, well, I probably got enough to get a check. And uh, I kept fishing down the stretch, and I that, that's when I ended up finding those two clumps of grass. I fired down there and snatched it out of the grass and caught one almost seven and uh, dropped the power poles and then turned around and made another throw and ended up catching a five. So I caught seven and a five out of one clump of grass and back-to-back cast. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, when you find that in Florida, when you yeah. catch two big ones out of one clump of grass, it's, there's more there. That's not the only two that live there. So um, so I went in. I ended up with 21 something that day. Kept me bumped me up to fifth. And then uh, day three, I went directly back to that clump of grass before it got good in daylight, and uh, I ended up losing two big ones on a trap right there. And uh, basically just scrambled around, kept making my same runs, and I caught one, ate something out of some pads. So that, that gave me that 15, almost 16 for day three. And uh, by this time, I'd done figured out the better stretch of pads and the better clumps of grass. So I said, look, I'm going to rotate, you know, them on the final day. And I run straight to that clump of grass, and I foul hooked a seven and got it in the boat. And then anybody that fishes knows when you foul hook one that big with a trap, yeah. And it don't come off. It's it's probably gonna be your day. Yeah. And uh wasn't probably fifteen minutes later I reached around, I picked up a worm, uh, it's like the net bait big bopper. It kinda looks like speed worm. It's uh yep. I catch a lot of fish in Florida, but I just never threw it a lot like an idiot. Because first thing my wife said when I left the house, Hey, you got your you got the worms. I said, Yeah, I, I got them. So I turned around after I foul hooked the big one. I turned around, went back to that clump of grass, threw the worm in there, and I caught one, probably eight. So I knew, you know, I had uh, anybody watch live, you know, I haven't had an opportunity. I've kind of breezed through it on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, I think it took me about 45 minutes, and I pretty much had, I probably had around 20, close to 20, 21. And, um, at three o'clock running in, I stopped on a clump of grass that I haven't tried all week, and I I caught one that actually caught up by about a pound. So that ended up with a twenty-two pounds, two ounces. That's awesome. Good. Yeah, yeah, it turned out real well. <laughs> now you uh, you knew you were fishing up against uh, Mr. Cox, uh, former uh, FLW Forestwood Cup winner, and uh, like you said, it, it yeah. was. Close all the way down to the end. He, I know he was sight fishing. Um, I watched FLW live myself, um, and uh, he was fishing shallow, hitting the grass, going up and down the banks. Um, I think he was throwing a wacky rig, if I remember correctly. Probably was. And um, but yeah. yeah to, to, to make the final day of a tour event, you know, it's, uh, it's a pretty awesome thing. And, and, you know, to have Cox leading it, uh, I thrift in front of me, JT Kenny behind me. Uh, there's, there's so many good guys, you know, the Shane LeHue, he's, he's been on a tear this year. Um, there's, it's, 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 it, it's, it's a good crowd to be a part of on the final day. I can promise you. Yes, it is. Mr. Bryant Thrift has been there the whole time. The, what are we, three three tournaments into it this year? And second, second. Did he finish second or third last? But uh, I think he. Uh, I think he ended up fourth, fifth. Fifth, okay. 
fifth last week, but he ended up at second at Seminole. So he had a second, yeah, Gunnersville, second, second at Travis, yep. second at then last Seminole drove the Harris chain and had a fifth. So I'd say that's a that's a pretty good four tournament stretch right there. Yes, it is. Cash and checks. That's the main thing. That's it. That's what that's what that's what how we can afford to do it, you know. Alright. So where are you guys going to next? Going to actually the Cumberland River in Burnside, Kentucky. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, Lake Cumberland, Burnside, Kentucky. Um from what bad it's deep, clear and rocky, um, which I wouldn't say that's my forte, but, you know, I'll figure something out they'll bite, especially if we'll start getting some warmer water here. It uh, should, should The fish should start pulling up, getting ready to spawn, I hope. Yep. So I don't see why you can't go down the bank chunking and winding and, uh, you know, should be able to do well, I would, I would think so. Well, we hope you do well. We very, very much hope you do well. Like I said, um, Smith Mount Lake here is clear. It's deep. And um, that's what the boys do here. Fish the banks. So, and the creeks. We got a couple creeks yeah. here. They they tear up. So, I mean, and you're going to be on a river. So. The, um, and actually, uh, uh, Jinko, it was kind of a handshake between them. Met them guys at ICAST. And I know they're a relatively new company, but. They sent a box of their swim baits, the booty shaker, the the six O's, the five O's, and the four O's, and uh, I'm sitting there actually holding one right now, and it's uh, it's an awesome looking bait, and I'm ready to do. Uh, I, I think it could be a player in Kentucky, you know, being the the deep clear. So I'm I'm ready to get out there and throw that thing around. Awesome. Are you going to ICAST this year? I am. I have attended ICAST actually um, for the last probably well since they left Vegas and went to um, and took it to Orlando. Yep. Um, but I've always just breezed around and you know checked out. I mean, if you if you love fishing, ICAST is it's, uh, it's awesome because anything new that's coming out, you get the first peek at it, and uh, pretty much the who's who is there from saltwater to fly to you know freshwater so it's a it's an awesome show for for you know for sure so yeah i'm looking forward to it me and my dad usually go down and we leave about a, about three or four days before and we usually go down to south florida and and fish for three or four days and then come back up to orlando and then and then do the show so that's awesome it's a it's a, it's a great thing yeah it's a good time for sure we I am going this year. I've got the opportunity through a friend who has a place and um, the door opened and I will be at ICAST. So we're going to be breezing through ourselves. We're rookies. So this is going to be our first year and we're both really excited. So, Dude, you better wear a good pair of shoes because you're going to do a lot of walking and uh, and, a, and a lot of looking because it's, uh, like I said, it's... Uh, it's crazy when you get in there and you start looking around and then, you know, I, I'm a fan of fishing period, you know, yeah, I mean, me too. I've kept up with the, the BASS guys. I've kept up with the FLW guys, uh, you know, other time kind of been friends with some of them and, uh, the saltwater I've kept up in there. So, 
you'll uh, you'll walk around starstruck for about the first day. So then the second day, you can kind of actually focus on the uh, the 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 fishing part of it. But it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a cool event. Cool, awesome. Well, I'm me, jealous. I'm sorry, Bruce. <laughs> we're we're going. Uh, we've already booked reservations. We're going to we're going to the um, Bassmaster Classic in 2018. Me and Bruce. So I've already told Bruce to bring his walking shoes for that as well, because it's pretty freaking huge, and you can almost spend three days just in a show. Nevertheless, actually going to a weigh-in, but yeah, it's it's all huge. Yeah, I mean, this would be. Uh... This will be the first year I've ever attended the Classic, and uh, I know that a lot of people like... When I need to send cash fast, the Western Union app is my go-to. And now, you can send up to $500 for a $5 fee worldwide. All you have to do is download the app, choose the pay in cash option, then come in and pay at a participating Western Union agent location. Download the Western Union app today!